Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of No One Is Listening. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Russell to talk about basketball again. Um, you know, we have a lot of stuff to get through, so why don't we just get right into it? Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Cavs and Spurs game, Ooh, right? Um, e- I think uh, easily. I think it wasn't the most dramatic game, but I'm pretty sure it was the best played game all season long. I, th- I think um, you know the Bucks Warriors. Was really was, was really good. Um, let's see the Warriors and uh, the Celtics. That was when they went to overtime. That was really cool. Um, I didn't watch uh, when the Bulls went into like quadruple overtime. Who was that oh, against? Yeah. Do you remember? I forget. I, I I don't remember, but I mean that while d- more dramatic, the best played game I think so far has been uh, the Cavs Spurs. Um, because it's also like you know it could be a potential finals matchup. Oh, easily and stuff like that. Easily for sure, right? I mean, I think the Cavs have have done a really good job of separating themselves from the rest of the East. I remember last time we talked, we said you know here are the Cavs like a step above yeah. the rest, and you have two through ten. I think yeah, the two through uh, ten spots in the East separated by like three games, but the Cavs have really done a good job, especially with Kyrie Irving coming back, of really separating themselves. You know, just another another notch. Kyrie looked good. He did. He, he, he looked really. Good. I mean, his. I I don't know what it is, but I actually spoke. I talked to some people in the day, and we were talking like, who has the best handles in the league? Right? They're like, oh, you know, who's got better handles, like Steph or Kyrie? Kyrie. And, I, and don't get me wrong, Steph does things that are out of this world, but Kyrie, I think, is like a hair better. I think Kyrie's like just hands down the best because when he dribble, like, there's it's like black hole. Yeah, you know where he sucks in these, and I don't mean black hole in a, in a bad way where he's like a ball hog, but it's more like the basketball court warps around his dribbling because it is it's so it's just it's so nasty. Yeah. You know? But he's been doing this before Steph Curry had those. The, the yeah, yeah, agreed, like, agreed. He's he's always been he's this always good. Been yeah, this good, and like he doesn't really get high, jump high. He just you know leaps sideways really well, and like just like. Whoop. I, the rest and then, oh, <laughs> I think his his best attribute is that um, he, like he doesn't seem like a strong guy. You know, he doesn't see, or I'm sure he's like plenty strong or whatever. He's a professional athlete, but in term for his size, he's not like a LeBron type where he's he seems like bully, or even like a Kyle Lowry type. But he even since his rookie year, he he does this thing where he he'll jump, take contact, and finish so strong. And it, I think that's like clearly the most impressive part of this game. He like kind of contorts his body to like somehow get the ball. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It's so good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get back to this game. I have a few. I have actually have a ton of notes. Right. Uh, I was watching this um, with Janelle, and I was on my phone constantly, just writing notes. Like every time I thought I was done, you know, I, I put my phone away. There was something else mm-hmm. to write down. So I have a few things, um, and feel free to jump in whenever you want. But. Uh, Let's start with Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I, there was this one possession, right, where the Cavs are on offense and, you know, it's a it's a Tristan Thompson, LeBron pick and roll, right? Uh, Tim Duncan shows hard, yeah. right? Uh, LeBron keeps going and then he kicks it out. It goes swing, 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 ends up back at the corner three. And Tim Duncan is in the paint and he sprints to the three-point shooter out in the corner. And he's... I don't know how old he is. He has to be. I think he's almost forty, right? And he's still closing out 
on three-point shooters. And he doesn't make the mistake where he runs past them or he, you know, um, like runs and then jumps yeah, for like a, paint, uh, a, a pump fake. He runs right at the guy's chest, hands straight in the straight air. Up. And I was like – I can't believe he's still playing defense like that. He's faster than LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs> like, LaMarcus Aldridge, watching that game just kind of showed me, like, he's kind of a plodding mm-hmm. forward, right? Mm-hmm. He kind of plods along and, like, he's kind of slow. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I mean, not, not, the, not the swiftest guy. You know, not the most agile guy. You know, he's I still got that jumper. so much faster than him. He, you know, yeah, I mean, neither one of them are, are spring chickens. But um, you'd at least expect Aldridge to to be a little more mobile. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan effectively now is playing on, like, one and a half legs, you know, and he still just sprinted out on that three-point shooter. And and, he, and the guy missed. I, I forget who. It might have been JR or, or someone. But uh, he missed. And I was just like, Tim Duncan, you are, you are a god. Yeah, like, you are sure. a basketball god. I can't believe he's still going all-time. strong. Yeah. Um. Ah, I have an, I have another thing. Uh, Kawhi Wait, can, can, can I yeah, yeah. go for it, go for it. Yo, did Boris Diaw look really? <laughs> I think he 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 has to renege on that contract. <laughs> he's, over, he's definitely over. He, but I mean, he's never. His butt was like <laughs> protruding. Out you, of you know, what? I he's the only guy in the league where I'm like. I'm pretty sure I look better in a jersey than you do because <laughs> his jersey is the only one where, like, the stomach area is out further than the chest. Yeah. He is, he's huge. But, but he, he does well. I mean, he, he, he fits yeah. well into that offense. I mean, because they value intelligence, right? They value uh, passing. And, you know, even though he's slow, um, he can punish smaller guys in the post. Uh, and he almost tricks you. Because he's so slow, and you're like waiting for him to make a move, and it, he just moves like inch by inch. Like there's nothing you could do to like stop him, because he he moves at like the pace of molasses, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I look better than him oh my God. in a basketball jersey. Um, anyway, yeah, let's let's keep it going with this first. Uh, man, Kawhi Leonard looks so good, no, dude. He's good. He, I, I mean, he's defensively, he looks so good. <clears throat> so. So did you hear what, what Charles Barkley said about Kawhi no, Leonard? I think he said, uh, like, the best two-way player in the league, right? Best two-way player in the league. And he said if he could start a franchise with anybody, he would choose Kawhi Leonard. Um, now, he's wrong. That's wrong. There's no way you start a team with, with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But but um, where do you have Kawhi on your list of top fives? Because he's clearly a top five guy. I have him... Number two for like MVP. Not for no, not, not number two like overall, but in terms of like MVP voting, oh, I have MVP him. Voting? You know, he's number two right now because I think he's jumped another level. You know, there, it was like he was a three and D guy, and then he became like, you know, after that Finals MVP, he was like, oh, this is like gonna be Kawhi's team, right? And then he jumped a level, and I think he's jumped another level. I mean, I would you say that he is the best? Defensive player in the league. I think right now he's definitely the best defensive player in the league. Right. I mean, even yesterday he was giving. I mean, even that game he was giving LeBron a lot of trouble. He, LeBron did have his way. Yeah, of course. It was through like ball movement and him just like kind of just breaking things down. Right, right. And yeah, I think he had like what four turnovers, which is kind of high for what for him. For him, yeah. And I think he's just so good defensively that he just has that mentality. Like I'm going to 
just straight up just defend you <laughs> and just stop you. Yeah, he, I imagine, like, the look he has in his eyes is the look a lion has when it's, like, hunting gazelle. Because if... Whenever so, it's not Kyrie or LeBron bringing the ball up, Kawhi just starts like lurking over and like ready to steal the ball. Yeah, you know it's like it's it's he hasn't missed any games yet this year, right? I don't think so. I don't think he's missed any games. Um, Draymond has missed a few. I think Draymond's only missed like two or one. I, and I think and it wasn't because of injury. I think it was um, like they were just trying to rest him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Kawhi is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think. Draymond is is fantastic, right? And we'll get into him a little later. But in terms of just like defensive skill, and, and and granted, Draymond Green is the reason they can play the way they play more than Steph mm-hmm. in terms of lineup. Um, but Kawhi, man, he's I think he's just the yeah, best. He's quick, he has that long arm, huge hands, yeah, huge hands. Uh, I, you know what? His huge hands bring me to something else. He. Had monster rebounds, just like real man rebounds. You know, we're like in yeah in traffic. You know, we're like someone would tip it, and it was you know um, it was like a jump ball between like three guys, and he would just rip it out of the air. You know, and I think it just goes to show like he is able to assert himself more. I think this year, and um, yeah, I think you yeah, know he's he really he, filling nicely into like his role and mm, just like kind of stepping up as mm. that. Next, next All Star spurt. I mean, he he went head to head with LeBron. You know they they didn't, and you know what was really interesting? Um, they didn't really double LeBron. You you know, straight, it was only Kawhi for the most part. It was it was Kawhi. The only thing they did was um, they blitzed the pick and rolls a little bit when and Tim Duncan would uh, would show really hard. Yeah. But um, for the most part, they would blitz the, the pick and roll. But other than that, you know, it was just head to head. You know. Um, one thing, man. Another thing that I know is Popovich. He's he. That man is a genius. Like every year, he gets smarter and smarter. And this is one thing I noticed. Um, he only had. He's so great with his lineups. When Kyrie went out, Parker went out. Oh. You know, and I when that, yeah, yeah uh, when when Kyrie went out, you know, Parker went out, and then um, whenever LeBron sat, Kawhi sat. Fine. You know, and he's he's just playing the matches because he knows his bench is so much more superior to the Cavs that he only has to play his studs when when the other guy's studs are in. You know, and so Pop, he's just on another level, man. They're just clicking on all cylinders. They're playing at a historic pace. Right, and and, and their bench, to, to your point, like Patty Mills, he's a serviceable point guard. That'll like, he's a legit NBA player. Yeah, he's good. Like he'll he'll carry it from when. The reserves play until the, the starters come back in, and only, on, on the Cavs you have Kyrie mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. Matthew Deladova, but like Matthew Deladova has to take a full squat before he takes a, a three pointer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, to your point, like that's the difference between like having Patty Mills as your backup point guard and Matthew Deladova. You know, like I don't, I don't understand how this guy is playing in the NBA. Like I don't. When he shoots, it looks. I imagine that's what I look like he when I'm shooting. Like he heaves it his with his butt shoulder, all the way going to the ground, <laughs> and then full squat, all legs, and jumps like three feet in the air. Yeah, I think that's the that's the advantage of having like a bench, right? Because you know when LeBron, Kevin Love, and and Kyrie are in, 
you know, if you're the Cavs and you don't build a lead when they're in, yeah. then you're toast when they're out. You know, you have you have no hope. You know, um, and Kyrie is making the the offense for the Cavs like just hum. Like he mm. he breaks down the uh, yeah. defense, is able to penetrate. Then he like kicks out Del Dova, who's like who has nobody around him, and is able to you know shoot a three pointer that you know it's relatively easy for him open. Right, right, because. Um, no matter how terrible your form is, no matter how low you get to the ground before yeah. you launch a three, if there's no one within 10 feet of you and you have all day, then, you know, the percentage of shots that are going to go in are, are so much higher. I think I was, uh, I read this, uh, this statistic somewhere where um, you're not open if someone's, I think it's like within five feet of you, which is crazy to think. Five feet is pretty far, but as soon as they're within five feet of you, they obstruct your vision. And you and like uh, the percentage of uh, three point shots um, are drastically lower when there's someone within five feet of you. Um, also, can we just discount whatever J.R. Smith does? Like, there's no way he's going to be able to shoot like that on in a seven game series. Oh, right, 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 right. In a seven game series, agreed. Yeah, I think um, I would say. You know, I, I don't know what my opinion of him anymore is because I hated him when he was on Denver. I loved him when he was in New York. And then I hated I him. and hated him. Yeah, the, the first season I loved him, right? And then the second season I hated him. And now it's just like, you know, he is what he is. You know, he's a streaky shooter. He's, yeah. he's one of those guys who thinks he's a lot better than he actually is. He and he plays that way. percent this year from the three-point line. Oh, that, yeah. that's pretty good, actually. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Um, you know, one thing I noticed, and this is going to be – this is huge for this person. This is why the Spurs had to get Aldridge. Uh, you know, I was re I don't know why I did this to myself, but I was re-watching um, that game six of the Spurs uh, Heat series uh, when, when the Heat won, right? And uh, they take out Duncan, right, for – for defensive purposes, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Because they're worried about yeah, because they're worried about three point shooters, right? And he can't close out. Um, and then you know LeBron misses a three, Bosch gets the offensive rebound, and he passes it out to Ray Allen. Ray Allen makes a three, and and they did it again. They took Duncan out of the game for defensive purposes because the Cavs had loaded up on three point shooters. Yeah. The difference, you still have Lamarcus Aldridge in the game. You still have like a legit right. big man. In the game, you're not playing, you know, Boris Diaw at center, hoping for for a defensive rebound. They ha- you have Lamarcus Aldridge in the game, in the paint, waiting for a defensive rebound, and and he got it, you know. And it just goes to show that the Spurs are so loaded this year. They they can play so many different ways. They can play big, having Duncan and Aldridge on the floor at the same time. They can play small by having just one of them. They can play like real small ball with a mobile center. By having Aldridge play center, even though he claims to like hate playing center, um, I mean this this Spurs team, as great as they looked, you know, uh, two years ago, I think they are more multifaceted this year. They're just they have so many looks they can go with now, you know. Right. I think this is my analogy. Okay. So mm-hmm. we have LeBron. Okay. Is like. Is like uh, Maverick and and uh, Top Gun, right? When Goose, you're making a top. So this is top. You're making a Top Gun analogy. <laughs> yes. All right, start over. Start over. Start over. Sorry, I, you have to. Okay. You have to prepare me for that. Okay, go again. What okay. is it? So it's kind of like Top Gun. Okay. LeBron is like Maverick. 
Kyrie was like goose. When goose okay. died, when it was the same thing, like Kyrie got injured. Now he's back. Uh-huh. Now that's he got his mojo back. Okay, it doesn't work on some levels, but <laughs> yeah, because I don't because because Goose doesn't think he's going to come back. Top <laughs> Maverick is like the Spurs; like they're always good, consistent, and for the for the whole entire time, they're going to be the best. But wait, like, Maverick is, is the Spurs or Maverick is no, LeBron? No, Iceman is like Ice Iceman is like the Spurs. Oh, Iceman is the Spurs. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. They're consistent. He's always the best at what they do uh-huh, all uh-huh. the time, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, LeBron, I think I feel like the Spurs are an all-time great team. Uh-huh. But LeBron and the rest of his team, if they're good, they're a good team, right? Like <laughs> right now. If they start getting gelled and, like, having that offense work the way it's supposed to work, they're yeah. going to be unstoppable. That's what I think. Did, have you seen the end of Top Gun? <laughs> have you seen the end of that movie? Do you know how that plays out? <laughs> All right, no, no, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so if, if okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so if if LeBron is Maverick, right, and Kyrie is Goose, who is Timothy Mozgov? <laughs> because Mozgov has fallen off of a cliff, man. Yeah, man. He I, so last year, did you read that that article? I think it was by Brian Windhorst, right? So they're, I think they're nineteen and twenty, and they trade for Timofey Mozgov. Oh, when he like LeBron jumped up and had yeah, him. right. So he didn't like he hadn't met Mozgov before. Um, LeBron's in the locker room, just slumped on the wall. Timofey Mozgov walks in for the first time, and LeBron kind of just like stands straight up, and like, "Whoa, this, this is a big dude." Yeah, he's a big guy. But and do you think it's a funk function of Tristan Thompson playing a lot better? I don't know. I, I, you're right. Like, there's so many factors to why. Mozgov has fallen off a cliff, but I mean, it's crazy to think. I mean, they gave up two first rounders for this guy. That's true. You know, and and there are rumors that um, you know they're looking to trade Mozgov because they do have a have a glut of of big dudes now. You know, because their small ball lineup, which you know they're going to have to go to uh, against the Spurs, against the Warriors, even against like the Thunder, uh, if it gets to that point, is going to have LeBron playing minutes at the four. So. I mean, he used to be the defensive catalyst on that team, right? And then they used to play pick and roll with, with him, and he would dive hard yeah. to the rim. And he's just – I mean, you can barely play him anymore. Yeah. But you kind of see, like, kind of Tristan Thompson took that place a little bit. He's mm-hmm. so active, and then he'll, he'll run for those loose balls. And on those pick and rolls, you'll see him, like, just jump out the gym and grab it in the air and just dunk it from that from like an alley pass. Yeah, yeah. And they did that a few times in that Spurs-Cavs game. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, but also, T- Tony Parker was legit. He was, he was pretty good. Man, it, I really, especially after last year, I thought we'd seen the end of Tony Parker. Oh, yeah? You know, yeah, I thought, I thought we'd seen the end of Tony Parker because, you know, he came in so young. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's in his early 30s, he has, um, like, a lot of minutes, you know, on his legs because he's been playing for so long. But, yeah, I thought, you know, I was like, oh, there, it's, it's over you know that that's it for Tony Parker. You know it's gonna be Kawhi plus Aldridge, and then you know someone asked Tony Parker, uh, "Are you gonna retire when Ginobili and Duncan retire?" He's like, "Oh, with Lamarcus Aldridge and, and Kawhi, you know, taking the full like I feel like I'm play a few more years." And I was like, "Yeah, I I, th- I think you can too, especially after that game." Do you think after that that night's game, they were just 
so spent. Do you think like he's hurting the next next morning and everything like that? I I, I haven't seen the game after the. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what their latest game was. I I don't think they played. I think Cleveland played after. I don't think they the Spurs played, played after. Yeah, but um, I mean those guys must be hurting. But it doesn't seem like that after you know what we seen on Thursday night. Yeah, I I have a feeling that those are the types of games. That yeah, that they get up for. Those are the kinds of games that you know. That's why Pop manages those minutes. So when these types of games come up, you know they can just go balls to the wall. Yeah, you know that that would be my hypothesis. I mean, who knows? But um, you know, he was good, dude. He was nasty. He was like, it was old school Parker, man. It was real old school circles Parker. Circles all around the paint. Flipping up the shot. I mean, his his teardrop still like. There's no rotation on the ball, right? It barely gets above the rim, you know, but it just drops right in every time. Uh, he, yeah, he was fantastic. That game, Spurs were fantastic. And, and you know, no knock on the Cavs. I mean, they were in it for most yeah. of the game. They made a big run, like, the second quarter, but the Spurs just were hanging in there the whole yeah. game. Yeah. Um, it really makes me think if we've started to uh, underappreciate Spurs. Well, not not the Spurs, but I think LeBron. LeBron. Because, you know, there's all this talk like, oh, you know, Curry's now the best player in the league. Uh, there's so many great small forwards. You know, where is LeBron in that place? You know, LeBron uh, has having a pedestrian year for his standards. Um, but, you know, I'm just saying when, when it's a big game, he's still alpha dog. Okay. What about, like, Naruto? All right. You've you've lost every, anyone who was listening. Anyone who was listening has stopped listening now. Sasuke. Oh my god. Is like the Spurs, and <laughs> now it knows like LeBron. If he wants to try, there's no overlap of anime and basketball fans. There's none. There's one. There's one person left who's listening. We went from three to one like that. Okay. <laughs> I'll just come up with a better name. <laughs> uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about in this game? Real quick. Um, no, I think. What about David Blatt? Oh, great! You know, I I don't have any notes on him, but I, I was thinking no, no a little bit about. No bad news about David Blatt throughout the year. No. No right? bad news. No pressure. No hot seat. Yeah. You know. Um, you think this is like kind of LeBron controlling the story and just. Oh, definitely. Definitely controlling the story. I have a question for you. Ready? Uh, David Blatt, good coach, bad coach? I think he is... I think he, he lies somewhere in between because mm-hmm. he kind of... I don't know exactly how the rotations are going with the Cavs, but with Kyrie coming back, it definitely helps his case mm-hmm. to be a better coach. Um, makes things easier for him. But I think the jury's still out whether or not he's still a good or bad coach. Because yeah. he has little freaking LeBron. And mm-hmm. what? Like, you can't really say he's, like, an all-time great coach yet. And he's only been his second year as an NBA coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when you think about Eric Spolstra mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. when, when Miami had won those, those two finals in a row, people were going, you know, oh, Spolstra is the next great coach. Yeah. You know, he's, like, a top-five coach already. And, next level thinker. And, yeah, next level thinker. <laughs> yeah, so progressive. LeBron leaves, and it's, like... Oh, he's okay. <laughs> you know, it it helps. It helps your coaching resume when you have someone like 
LeBron. Yeah. You know, when you don't have LeBron and you just go back to being mediocre pedestrian, you know, that's like to your point, you know, that's when like true colors show, right? Um, what about okay, what about Kevin Love? How, how do you what do you think about Kevin Love? Oh, man. See, I I love Kevin Love. I really do. Um, it's just do you think he, he likes being forced to play that role? Of kind no, of, of course of not. Of course not. I mean, he's, he's... He's pretty good at it, though. He's No, he's a he's phenomenal three-point shooter, especially for a forward. It's just that everyone forgets, man. Like, he's a dominant, like, low-post scorer. Yeah. Like, he's not just a jump shooter. He is a low-post scorer. I mean, people were talking about him like he was a... He was a top ten, top five player when you know his last year with Minnesota. Um, he was he was at one time considered like the best power forward in the league, you know. And it, it's it really hurts to see him. You see the last quarter like of the that. game though, like he was kind of struggling down the stretch. Like he was, he was. I feel like that's kind of been his mo. Like down, the, like he'll look decent but then when it comes down to the fourth quarter and it's for him to like kind of spot up and make, take that big three it's it's kind of, he kind of shies away from it and won't put the ball on the floor and like go hit the rim yeah. i i think this is something you see a lot of uh a lot of stars struggle with which is um you know being on a team where you're not the focal point anymore um this is kind of a weird analogy but you take a look at someone like julius randall on the lakers right and it's it's the product of this aau environment where you know from you know middle school you know from like middle school to to like high school you are you know you have so much attention on you you know you're on the spotlight um you are the center of your team for years right and then you go off to college and again, you know, you're a man among boys. You're so much better than everyone else. Everyone's talking about how, how skilled you are, how great you are, how you're the next big thing. And then you get to the NBA and maybe even for a few years, you're the best player on a, on a bad team, you know. But then when you're finally put in a position to where you are with other players that are just as good as you, just as talented as you, and in, you know, Kevin Love's case with LeBron, even more so someone who's better than you, um, to have to adjust to that role after how many years of being not just the focal point, but the only NBA potential player on your team, um, I mean, that's tough. Yeah. You know, that's really tough. To be asked to make that adjustment, like, on the fly, it's, 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 it's tough. He decided in a cabana, though. He, <laughs> he shook hands with LeBron's in, in, in a meeting in a cabana <laughs> over the summer. Um yeah, so it, it, it's tough. I hate seeing Kevin Love like that because I am a fan of his. Um, but, you know, like you said, he made his choice. It is, it is what it is. So seeing, seeing the Spurs now, right, how do you feel about the Warriors and how they stack up? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they, they play soon. I think they play in, like, a little over a week. So They lost the Nuggets, right? They did. They did lose the Nuggets. And I think they lost, uh, to the, they lost to the Pistons. And that was, like, a... That was bad. That was real bad. Did all, everyone play? Or was everyone played. Up? Even Barnes was back. Even Barnes was back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, all right. You know, with that, why don't we take a little break? For those of you on your commute, I don't know, you can 
You really don't have a choice. You You're driving. Imagine a live read. Yeah, yeah, imagine, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine some sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully one day. Um, for everyone else, uh, we'll just take a quick break and then we'll be back in a little bit. All right, welcome back, guys. This is uh, part two of um, NBA Talk with Russell. So we talked about the Spurs and the Cavs. We talked about great basketball, right? Um, let's talk about some not-so-great basketball now. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. What What a disaster. Oh, man. What an absolute atrocity. Um, it starts at the top, right? Definitely starts at the top. Mikhail Prokhorov. Russian billionaire comes in, has title aspirations, right? Um, not doing so hot. So recently they fired GM and coach, right? Billy King, Lionel Hollins. Thoughts? Well, not fired. They're kind of back. Right, right. So, okay. Well, so Lionel, Holland, Hollins, Hollins is fired. <laughs> Billy King has been reassigned within, within Barclays, Did right? You, within the Nets. They, they really like him, though? Like, I mean, that, that's the only reason he still has a job there, right? They don't want to, like, you know, hurt his reputation, and that's why they're... Just- oh, yeah, because his reputation yeah. needs needs help. <laughs> Crazy. Because he has a reputation to salvage. Um, here's the thing, right? Question. Billy King. Um, definitely a bad GM, for sure. Definitely a bad GM. How much... How many... Do you think he really is a bad GM? No, he's a bad GM. He's right. definitely a bad GM, for sure, 100%. Because even with Philly, he was terrible, right? Billy King, bad GM. But, and I, I know where you're going with this, right? How much of his moves sucking has to do with him? You know, that's, that's hard to say because, you know, when we first heard of Prokhorov, right, we just knew that this guy is like a man of mystery, billionaire. Russian Mark Cuban, right? Yeah, Russian Mark Cuban. Uh, did you see that YouTube video of him, like on like some jet ski doing crazy flips and <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like he's got he promised the championship mm-hmm. within X amount of years right away, and he kind of set that tone like we want to win a championship now, yeah. we want to contend now. Yeah. And I think he created that environment of like we need to make things happen right away, and it makes it tough for like a GM to like think about long term and like and spending time on you know potential. Um, prospects mm-hmm. rather than just trading all your picks away for you know older athletes that have some championship pedigree and something, yeah, which is yeah, what they yeah. did you know yeah. they tra- traded in the short term for the long or long term for the short term right, right? Right, right, right so I don't know I feel for Billy King it was kind of product of his environment but at the same time he did pull the trigger on all those decisions. yeah, yeah. Um, you know it's it's easy to forget now, but I remember when the Knicks got mellow, I was so ecstatic. You know, I was a little disappointed because I we'd given up so much and I was like, we could have this guy in the summer and we're 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 giving up assets. We're trading instead of adding. You know, because we could yeah, we're trading all these guys for Mello and Mello's worth that trade, but we could have had you know, we could have had both. We could have had an R cake and eaten it too. And then right after that mellow trade, the Nets trade for Darren Williams, who was at the time, again, easy to forget now, a top two point guard. Isn't that crazy? He was a top we two were point thinking guard. Thinking that he was better than Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, there was an argument there that he was better than Chris Paul. 
At that time, he the argument was pretty good. Like I heard, like he had the more killer instinct than Chris Paul did. Or he was a better shooter. Better shooter. He was a better shooter. Um, and I remember thinking, so crazy. And this is because because D'Antoni was coach. I remember thinking, man, I wish we got D Will instead. Yeah. You know, if I'd known D Will was available, I'd much rather have D Will than than Melo. Um, so you know, not not a. I would say. Most people thought the Nets won that trade, right? Uh, I mean, no one knew that D-Will was going to be... The wrist, the ankle. Exactly, the wrist. I think he had the wrist thing then, but I don't think his ankles were a problem back then. Um, And so you get rid of of Billy King, and uh, who have you heard that they're interested in for GM? For GM, I heard it was the the Colangelo, right? Brian Colangelo, right. Um, And I think he gets... Uh, he gets a bump because of his name, right? Because his dad is Jerry Colangelo, you know, runs Team USA, and he just got hired by the Sixers. Uh, I have interesting, you know, I love stats. I have interesting stats for you, and these are GM stats, right? Um, Brian Colangelo, before this, um, he was the GM of the Toronto Raptors, mm-hmm. right? Before Masai. And he messed that up badly enough where they had to fire him, and then they stole him aside from Denver. Right? Did he win executive of the year? He did. Year? He did. I, I, he did win executive. He actually might have won with Toronto that first year. Um, you can look that up. But he won executive of the year with, and this is the stint he's most known for, the Suns, right? Mm. The Phoenix Suns. Before the Raptors, right? Before the Raptors, yeah. And he's, you know, he brought it, he drafted Amari, he, you know, re-signed, or not re-signed, but as a free agent, signed Steve Nash for his second stint. Oh, he was the architect of that? He was the architect of that team. But here's what he did starting in 2004, right? So starting in 2004, um, they have all these first-round draft picks, and, and he actually, in 2004, he actually had the seventh pick, right? Um, guess who's available in that draft for the seventh pick? Right, um, they draft Luol Deng. Right, also available Andre Iguodala. Wow. Right, uh, you know what they did with that pick when they drafted Luol Deng? Traded to the Bulls for this guy named Jackson Vroman, cash and a first round pick in two thousand five. Not great, right? But but you you think okay maybe they're just you know it's just one year maybe they didn't like Luol Deng. No one knew he, he was going to be. No one certainly knew Andre Iguodala was going to be great. Um, so in 2006, they have their first-round draft pick, right? Low 20s. Um, guess who they draft? Rajon Rondo, right? Um, do you know what they do with Rajon Rondo? Trade him to the Boston Celtics for cash and a 2007 first-round draft pick. Um, so they've turned Luol Deng, potentially Andre Iguodala, and Rajon Rondo into cash and more cash, and Jackson Roman. 2007, first-round draft pick, right? And this is a guy I was really high on. They take Rudy Fernandez. You remember him from, from yeah, Team Spain? Oh yeah. yeah. I love Rudy Fernandez, right? Take, take him, and guess what they do? They trade him to Portland for more cash. Essentially, they got nothing out of their mid-2000s draft picks. Because so they were more concerned with saving money and having money than improving their team. Was that a Toronto thing? Or nope, that, 
That was that was him. That was that was with Phoenix. That was with Phoenix. This is the guy that you're looking to to build your team. That is, I'm I'm so sorry. Brian Colangelo is not the answer. And if you're the Nets, you have to be really scared of the of the potential Brian Colangelo hiring. Right. On top of that, right? Prokhorov wants to compete again by what next year or something like that. I mean. It's, it's, it's impossible, impossible, insane, impossible, any inward. It's not going to happen. It is within this realm of of possibilities. It doesn't exist, right? So he's he's not coming along. Um, I have a name. I have a name. And, and he's also been tied to the Nets, who I think should get the job. Do you have a, do you, do you have a GM you think should get the, the Nets job? And this is someone I think would do a good job. A GM? A GM, yeah. Someone who may be available right now. Danny Ferry. Oh. The racist. Right. Yeah, but I guess, what do you do on the Hawks? I'm so glad you asked that question. Do you know what he did with the Hawks that helped them immediately? He traded Joe Johnson to the Nets. (laughs) 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 The first thing he did... <laughs> when he went to the Hawks, we need again. <laughs> the first thing he did when he went to the Hawks, right, was blow up that core, right? Traded Joe Johnson to the Nets. <laughs> he was like, "This is a terrible contract. Who can I unload this contract on? Who would be desperate enough to have Joe Johnson on that ridiculous contract?" And it was the Nets. And now they have a GM position available. He is a GM in need of a job, and he's a fantastic GM. And I think I think that's the match. Was Joe Johnson on the Nets before D Will or after D Will? After, after. after right? Yeah, D Will was first, and then they needed to convince D Will to stay. This was and was it before or after Dwight Howard didn't work out? Oh, it was right after. Right so after Joe Johnson was the consolation prize because Dwight Howard didn't to work out. To appease D Will, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think I think that's that's the right guy to get. You know, I think the right guy to get is is Danny Ferry. Um, Colangelo is, is not the answer, I think. Um, Colangelo has never exhibited great GM skills to me, yeah. decent GM skills. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's a smart guy. I'm sure he knows more about basketball than, than I could ever possibly know, but his track record shows that not the guy you want to be GM for your team, in my opinion. Hey, is Jay-Z still like half percent of I, I don't think so. I think he sold his his stocks to, do, to be an agent. Right? To be an agent yeah. to start Rock Nation. Yeah, Rock Nation. Um, let's see. So they fire, uh, or no, they re-sign Billy King. Looking at either Brian Colangelo or, or Danny Ferry, Lionel Hollins. They out and out fire. Right? Who have you, you think heard? He's a bad coach. Lionel Hollins? Well, no, no. I think he's not a like a terrible coach. He's not a great coach, but he's not like to yeah. your point. He's not terrible. Um, I mean, he did. I mean, those Minnesota. I mean, not Minnesota. The Memphis teams were legitimately good. Um, yeah, I think I think he's fine. Like, what are the chances of him of Nets getting a better coach than Lionel Hollins at this point? <sighs> well, I mean, it depends who you think is a better coach than Lionel Hollins. Have you who if you if you're the Nets, right. if you're the Nets, what coach do you go after right you now? You want to go after Thibodeau. You do want to go after Thibodeau. That is that is the correct answer. Um, my only question is, if he didn't get along... Are sure it's not the best stuff on Earth? <laughs> no, that's definitely not the best stuff on Earth. Three people understood <laughs> that reference. <laughs> um, if, if 
my only thing is if Tibbs didn't get along with the Bulls and they're like micromanaging, what makes you think? Maybe it works that, out because Prokhorov is kind of hands off. He's just chilling in Russia. I mean, yeah. the first couple of years, he really wasn't an active owner. Like he wasn't a hands on owner. Right. Rarely in the states. Right. Rarely right. in the states. Um, Trusted the dude Razumov. <laughs> For those for those people that don't know, explain who Razumov is, right? Because so Razumov is. Hold on. Sorry, one second. Just... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, Razumov is a name that you'll hear regularly, but you have to really be looking for for his name because he's always mentioned offhand. He's always mentioned, sometimes not even by by his name. He'll be known as like the right-hand guy of Prokhorov. Yes. For, so for those people that, that don't know about this guy, explain who this guy so is. So Dmitry Razumov <laughs> is the right-hand man of Prokhorov, right? He's mm-hmm. the CEO of, of another holding company that, um, that uh, Prokhorov owns. So he kinda, he's kind of handling the, the, the operations, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to say, of the hires and fires right. In, right. in the States. And he's a he's the guy that pushed for uh, Jason Kidd to be the head coach of the Nets, mm-hmm. and it turned out he's actually not a bad coach. Uh, I would say a top ten coach, yeah, easily, yeah. So I mean, I guess he knows what he's doing. He kind of has a sense for basketball. Kind of has a sense for the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if you know a potential relationship with Thibodeau would work out, and with the new GM. So yeah, I mean, I, I think, know. yeah. Uh, for Thibodeau to work out with the Nets, if they go in that direction, it would really depend who the GM is and that GM-coach relationship because clearly Thibodeau and Foreman for the Bulls hated each other and they were still, what, like every year top four yeah. team in the East. Did they not get along because of the minutes, the, the way... It was he, a lot of stuff, yeah. Because that's who... Thibodeau is. That's who he is. He's gonna work his players to the ground. Very old. They're, they're in there. Their their players are there to play. You know, and they're not gonna. He's. Not, I don't think he's gonna give. I don't think he's gonna change that. I mean, he treats every game like it's game seven of the <laughs> NBA Finals. Right. There's no such thing as rest. There's no such thing as days off. There's no such thing as managing minutes. I mean, he just wants to play or, or play his players. Um, let's see. So. That's uh, that's one insane situation uh, in the league. Let's go to another, right? So we're going from uh, potentially Brian Colangelo's next team. Uh, let's transition over to his father, Jerry Colangelo's current team, hmm. the 76ers, right? Uh, so this is, this is a bit of old news, right? But... Um, Brett Brown, coach of the 76ers, Sam Hinkie, GM of the 76ers. Uh, their jobs in, I don't know, in danger? No, in, could you imagine what Brett Brown thinks on a nightly basis? So so let's let's explain, right? So Brett Brown is talented young coach. Now, I don't know if he's actually young, but talented new head coach. Only been head coach for a few years for the 76ers. Uh, Sam Hinkie, uh, relatively new GM for the 76ers. And... The 76ers have hired now uh, an associate head coach, which I didn't even know that was a thing, right? With for, it happened uh, with the the Knicks. Did uh, they kind of? Um, Is that when they hired Woodson? Yeah, when they hired Woodson, right, as a right. defensive specialist. right, the defensive specialist, right? So they have now they've hired Mike D'Antoni, 
of the Phoenix Suns galore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've hired Jerry Colangelo to... What is his actual position? Was it special, special advisor? Special advisor. Jerry Colangelo. That's what I, that's the title that I want. I want to be known as Special Advisor Steve. Um, what is going on? It's crazy in Philly. He's like oh, he's basically there to overlook the the decisions of Sam Hickey. Which, <sighs> you know, it, that, that's that's like so crazy because basically it's anybody who's kind of watching over your shoulder, doing anything that you do on a daily basis for mm. your job on your job. I mean that I would feel like I I was being micromanaged. I think right. if if that was no one likes that. If that was the case, I mean the writing. I guess the writing is on the wall that the NBA is saying, "Hey, you guys are still tanking." Oh, for sure. Be you guys need to turn this around for sure. Um, how many years? Just off the top of your head, how many years do you think it's been since Sam Hinkie got hired? How many years do you think they've tanked? I think legitimately said tank or. Try not to win. Like I th- it's been four years now, right? Three we're, years or we're, four. We're on year three, so it's only been two full years. Two full years. It hasn't been. Years, yeah, yeah. It hasn't been that long. They've only had two years. Who was the first pick that they had? I believe it was. Let me look. That Nerlens no, Noel, right? No, no, no. It was Michael Carter Williams. Yeah, yeah you're Michael right. Michael Carter Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He selected Michael Carter Williams with that pick, um, and then you know promptly treated him away thereafter. Um, so yeah, Colangelo and Hinky, that's like a weird dynamic, you know, Brett Brown, Mike D'Antoni, that's another weird dynamic, especially cause D'Antoni at this point in his career kind of comes with baggage, you know, didn't leave Phoenix on great terms, didn't leave the Lakers, the Lakers on great terms. Well, he was there for like two weeks or something. He was only there for... Yeah, and and in, in between those years he was with the Knicks didn't leave the Knicks on great terms either I mean he you have to give him credit right revolution like that Suns team revolution the way coach Thibodeau and the Bulls revolutionized modern NBA defense he and the Phoenix Suns revolutionized and really showed us how to take advantage of modern day NBA offense right but at this point in his career man like just he hasn't been on a winning team in so long now he hasn't coached a winning team in forever you know just wrecks havoc everywhere he goes so yeah i don't know what's i don't know what's going to go on with there um so you have the sixers who have this smorgasbord of assets and picks and and you would hope young talent right um do you think as a gm he's been doing a good job in the new age of gm in terms of gathering assets you know first picks but things just kind of haven't been working out with, you know, Joel Embiid not wanting to do his rehabilitation <laughs> and ordering, like, jugs of Hawaiian punch. Right? So ex- explain to people the rumors about okay. about Joel Embiid because these are, these, are, these are bonkers, right? This is – it's really hard to believe, but, but go so ahead. Joel Embiid was the first pick of the draft – or the third pick of the draft – but he had a, a knee injury, right? Foot injury. Foot, foot injury. injury. A foot injury that um, the Sixers didn't want to take a chance on. They operated, and he, they are forced to rehabilitate him mm-hmm. for the whole year. Right. right. Sat out that first year. First year. And then um, he was supposed to come back this this year, right? 
but then he had suffered another setback. It's suffered another. But there's so many rumors out on the internet, and these again are rumors that you know he doesn't want to do his rehab. He's gaining on weight or ordering, you know, jugs of Hawaiian punch. Right, that's, that's a very hospital. specific rumor. He's ordering <laughs> jugs of. His favorite drink, I guess, Hawaiian punch. Yeah, I guess he really likes Hawaiian punch. I, mean, I guess if you haven't had it. If, if I, I didn't even know they came in <laughs> jugs of Hawaiian punch, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm imagining, like, he probably has people take, like, the water jugs and empty them out <laughs> and go to, like, McDonald's or somewhere and go to the dispenser and just, <laughs> you know, like, fill up jugs of Hawaiian punch. How else could you get jugs of Hawaiian punch? Just get water in the powder, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, there are all these rumors about Joe Embiid, and, you know, he doesn't like wearing the cast, so yeah, that's yeah, why his yeah. foot broke again. Um, he's not very uh, cooperative with the 76ers in terms of, like, their nutritionists and their doctors and and their staff and, and, and all that stuff, right? So that, that in and of itself would be a problem, right? And then you have this stuff about Okafor, yeah. right? So what's going on with... What's going on with Okafor? Explain to the people what's going on with Okafor. Right so there was videos of, of him fighting outside a club <laughs> in Boston, right? Did you see that? I did. It was and awesome. The, the Boston fans were just heckling him, right? And because the Sixers suck. Yeah, The yeah. Sixers suck. And Joe, Okafor knows that. And he's mm. never been on, like, a losing team this bad. And he just, like, he got fed up with that. I, mean, I would get fed up with it, too. I, I mean. blame him, but he shouldn't, you know. Yeah, you can't, you can't hit someone yeah, for that, but... <laughs> Yeah, so you have so you have Joel Embiid who's, you know, keeps getting injured because he's fat and can't stop drinking Hawaiian punch and won't keep his cast on. You have Okafor who's fighting people, literally fighting people after games, right? And then, you know, you have Dario Saric who's overseas, and because they drafted him, you know, a while ago, I think when he comes, he wants to come over next year. Um, his rookie scale contract is done. They have to sign him to like wow. an actual deal now. Like, it, 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 yeah, he it's not the rookie scale deal anymore. Um, and so, I guess my question to you is, you know, how do you feel about them having to bank on this talent? And and you know, part two of that question is, so next year their their big man rotation is Embiid, Okafor, Nerlens, and Dario. And that's four. That's four young big. Uh, right. How do you how do you juggle I, I all that? Know. I feel like they're kind of still unknowns, right? All of them, yeah. Nerlens Noel, like he he's, he's the most known quantity, he's right? The most, yeah, but still, he he's not that great of a player. To it's not very good. Yeah. Yet. And you don't know what's going to happen to NBA. You don't know how Saric is going to translate into the NBA. I don't know. It feels like just a big organizational breakdown. Like, how can Okafor be out there by himself without any security guards? This is this was your top pick in the mm, draft. Mm. How do you not like insulate him? Have people all around him just yeah. protecting him and just saying, "Hey, don't, dude, don't, don't, <laughs> yeah. do not go out at this night and just like, go and get into that bad situation." It just feels like overall that organization is just sending out a bad message and it starts from the top down right mm-hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see um i think it'll still be bad um, yeah i mean even you know all the best teams like they always go through these these highs and lows and and going from low to high is always it's never instant right it always takes you know a few years and 
And you're right. Like, how do you not surround this guy with veteran leadership? And that's when, that's where it goes to show, you know, that whole tanking thing, it works if you're still cultivating a good environment, a good atmosphere. And you take a look at a team like the T-Wolves, right? They bring in, uh, you know, Andre Miller, Tayshaun Prince, and Kevin Garnett specifically to to groom and mentor these young guys. Zach Levine, you know, um, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, you know, to, you bring them in to, to be groomed and mentored by these guys to be like, hey, you know, like, don't do this. Do that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On our off day, we're going to go to the gym. You know, just because we have an off day tomorrow doesn't mean we're going to go out tonight. Um, don't get into fights with, <laughs> with normal people, you know. Um, like you said, organizational breakdown. Now, my question to you is, in spite of all that, because of the way Hinky has dealt with players and agents, yeah. would he have even had the opportunity to get, you know, those veterans and that that leadership yeah. on the team? What do you think? That's a good question because you know you heard the reports. We all read the reports that um, agents don't like Hinky because he's kind of a jerk when it ter- comes to like dealing with. Um, um, NBA deals or mm-hmm. trading players and having their their guys sign with uh, the 76ers. You know, there was that report saying that agents don't want their max levels going to Philly. You know? Right. And it's pretty interesting that if you don't want to do a deal with this guy and he's a GM, they're not going to get top talent ever if he's just such a jerk to deal with. I wonder if that's part of why they hired Colangelo. You know, where they have Hinky doing the analysis, they have Hinky running the numbers mm-hmm. and stuff, but then the relations they leave with, with Klanger. I mean, who knows what the case may be. And, and I also do think it may be a little over-exaggerated how bad Hinky's relationship with the agents are because at the end of the day, agents no matter Agents have an agenda as well. Agents have an agenda as well. And if you give an agent an option where, hey, you know, you're going to get money from, from the Sixers, they're not going to be like, no, don't sign for less money somewhere else. You know, I think at the end of the day, if if they get paid, you know, it's all water under the bridge eventually. Yeah. But um, but it, it's definitely a factor. Definitely a factor for sure. Um, let's see. Anything else you want to talk about the Sixers before we move on to the next topic? Mm, and Tony, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe Dan Tony and Jeremy Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. Uh, we're going to move on to D'Antoni's old team, uh, the Phoenix Suns. Now, I think when Hinky goes to sleep at night, <laughs> this is the situation he's terrified of, right? Which is Phoenix Suns, we're going to rebuild, and they, I'm going to say, accidentally won over 40 games. Yeah. You know, they accidentally Over, realized yeah. that they have a pretty good team and they had to go from tanking to win now in the middle of a season. And I think that and the problem is, right, if you don't handle that situation badly or if you don't handle it well yeah. and it ends up going badly, you have what the Phoenix Suns have now, which is not not atrocious enough where yeah. you can if because if you're if you're that bad, you have a bright future in terms of picks and, and all that stuff. And this situation has been 
mismanaged so poorly now where I don't even know. Right, because you hear all those reports that all the players that left kind of left disgruntled. They weren't happy. They didn't really say good things about their time in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And is that a, a product of what, you know, Sarver's doing? And, you know, as you said, that they were kind of good. They were, they were going to tank, but they actually were kind of, kind of good. They were in the AC or 17 percent Yep, yep. So, I mean, it has to come from Sarver, right? And, you know, do you want to tell people about his his weird comments about millennials? Yeah, what's, what's wrong with millennials? Why <laughs> do millennials get such a bad rep? You know, d- Not I'll, all millennials are like that. Right, to his defense, right, to his defense... Um, you know, can you why don't, can you bring up the the comments real quick, and then I'll I'll speak on it for a little bit. To his point, or to, not to his point, in his defense, the things that he said about millennials are you could argue it are correct, but what the hell does that have to do? Has nothing to do with, with the with Phoenix Suns, and you know it, it's funny because he was the owner when Colangelo made all those terrible moves, sold. You know the draft rights to to Luol Deng, to Rajon Rondo, to Rudy Fernandez for cash. You know, and he's saying these things as he's walking, probably on the deck of his home that was paid for by selling those draft picks, yeah. right? So, do do you have a? Yeah. So yeah. he says, "I'm not sure. It's just the NBA." Sorry, said my whole view of the millennial culture is that they have a tough time dealing with setbacks. And Markeith Morris is a perfect example. He had a setback with his brother in the offseason, and he can't seem to recover from it. I'm not sure if, if it's the technology or the instant gratification of being online. But the other thing is, I'm not a fan of social media. <laughs> I tell my kids it's like fantasy land. The only thing people put online are good things that happen to them or things they make up. And it creates unrealistic expectations. We've had a number of setbacks this year, and this year that have taken their toll on us and we haven't been resilient. And it's up to our entire organization to step up their game. Yeah. Um, do you know what those setbacks are, Sarver? Bad moves. Bad moves by you and your GM. Okay? Well, actually, no. I actually do like the, the GM of of the Suns. I, I, their front office I actually do like. But, Sarver, don't like you. Um, nothing wrong with millennials. I think those some of those things, while I actually kind of agree with, you know, people do only put positive stuff on social media, and it is kind of fantasy land. But guess what? That has nothing to do why with why your team sucks. Do you know why your team sucks? It's because you had Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, and probably one of the most fun teams we'd seen in a while. And then you decided to sign Isaiah Thomas, a third point guard. And Ooh, that's not bad. Who's, who, who's good? Who's good? But still... But, you had two guys, two point guards, and you end up pissing them off because yeah. you got a third point guard. They barely were on board with playing with each other, and Jeff Hornacek sold them on the idea, and they mm-hmm. saw the results on the court, and they're like, you know what? It was kind of weird at first, but we're making it work. And then you thought the right move was to get another one? And then, and then, in the middle of that season, you think, all right, you know what? We had one point guard. Great. We got two point guards. We can make it work. Great. Three point guards. Not working. So we're going to trade the two healthy ones. Stick with the one that's never played. Or I think he's only had one full year. And then we're get, so we're going to trade Dragic. We're going to trade 
Isaiah Thomas. We're going to get back Brandon Knight and I think the Lakers pick. Oh, no, they had the Lakers pick, right? And they traded away the Lakers pick, which right now... Celtics have. The Celtics, and it looks fantastic. Could be the Ben Simmons pick, right? I don't understand what you're thinking if you're the Phoenix It's kind of ironic with his quotes because he's saying that, you know, not sure if it's technology or instant gratification. That's basically what Sarah was leaning for, instant gratification. There's not much difference like between that. him and a millennial, really. Maybe, <laughs> hey, Robert Sarver, you're so mad at millennials. Maybe you're just mad at yourself. Maybe you need to take a look in the mirror <laughs> once in a while, yeah? Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, he's, he's going for instant gratification. You know, they want to win now and they just made the the wrong moves and you know kind of a scumbag move trading Marcus Morris because now you have Markeith right. on a deal that pays him I think less than 10 million dollars a year which but is didn't they sign like one contract they, it was they decided listen you can get us at a discount you need to pay us in total this amount of money and we'll split it up how we want to They're we just need and, and you know, Marcus was a, he was fairly paid, I think, and Markeith was a little underpaid. Um, I'm actually gonna look up how much he's making or what his uh, his salary is right now. While I do that, um, oh, speak about so Jeff Hornacek on the hot seat, not on the hot seat, kind of warm seat, weird, right? Like they are kind of putting out. A somewhat decent product, but it's not good enough, obviously, to be a contender in, in the West at this point. But you know, what I don't know what they're doing. Are they are they re- rebuilding? You know, and what's Hornacek's role in, in this whole entire picture? Is, is it to have Hornacek on the as the coach and to turn it all around, or is it to kind of just get rid of him and just restart, rebuild, and kind of start from the ground up? Which, which is weird to think about because they hired Hornacek so they could rebuild because he'd never been a coach right. before. And, and he, they, why did he get rid of all the staff? I, I, don't get, I don't get that. And so you're going to, like you, like you said, you're going to get rid of his staff and then keep him and have him on a hot seat when he wasn't, you didn't set him up for success. So he's not succeeding. And now that they're maybe playing they, even worse. Maybe Sarver wants to paint the story that, you know, this is all on Hornacek's shoulder. If he doesn't produce, you know, he doesn't have anyone else to blame but except for himself. That's why they got rid of the staff. I, I, I don't know. But it, it seems kind of weird that he would uh, just get rid of the staff. If, if he got rid of the... Never um, seen that before. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange. Um, okay, so we've gone through... We've spent entirely way too much... Actually, not too much time, but we've spent a lot of time talking about really hopeless situations, right? Nets... 76ers, the the Suns, um, and the 76ers are actually not so hopeless because they have like a gluttony of first round draft picks. Let's go somewhere. Uh, we're gonna end here like the way we end every every time. Someplace that has a lot of hope. Oh, Let's talk a lot about of hope. A lot of hope. A lot of hope in in the garden, man. Knicks are a lot of, lot of hope in the garden. We're gonna talk about Kristaps Porzingis, the god. Um, but you know, let's take a big step back, right? Uh, all right, I'm, I'm, picture, I'm, right? I'm taking a step back. Let's take a big picture. Let's do it. Phil, Phil is Phil is cooking right now. Is, <laughs> Phil is cooking. He's cooking something. Something's on the pot and simmering, and it tastes pretty good. <laughs> Did you see that game, um, the Celtics game, when they didn't have Carmelo, 
and I think Jeremy Grant had a pretty good night. I night. did not. I did not. He had a really good night. That's that's exactly what the Knicks are looking for. For right. a point guard that can penetrate, um, defend, and just like be able to distribute the ball and be able to slash into the basket and get his own bu- uh, buckets, right? Everything Calderon cannot do, yes. Everything Calderon <laughs> cannot do. Hey, Calderon hasn't been that bad. Yeah, I don't mean I don't mean to knock on him. He's a great but shooter, phenomenal they, shooter. They, they play for each other. Like you can see that even without Melo, they are they like to play with each other and then their team chemistry is pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's they the Knicks are finally building something. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I, I think, think the worst thing that they can do right now is have Phil like do some crazy ass trade. He won't. I, I hope he doesn't. He won't. They just need to let this simmer and grow. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the difference between, uh, you know, uh, I get a lot of flack for this, but I always microwave everything. I never use the oven, mm-hmm. right? And it's the, it's the difference between, you know, popping uh, a Sicilian slice <laughs> of pizza in the microwave for like thirty seconds to like a minute and just having it right there, you know, just because you just because you're so hungry, and you know. Getting the aluminum foil, putting it on a on a platter, right, on a pan, and getting uh, pizza. Yeah, yeah, you know, preheating the oven. You know, you have to do it the right way if you really want the best quality. It's going to take some time. Takes a lot of time. Takes a lot of time. Uh, takes a lot of investment. So. And yeah. again, this this whole entire thing really doesn't work if we don't have prison goods, and prison goods is not as good. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, if, if Porzingis has been lights out. If Porzingis isn't good, I think there's a reason to get impatient. Yeah. You know, you don't see something happening. You again to take it to that oven analogy, you know, you're tapping on the glass, you're taking like you know, why isn't you know if you're baking like why isn't the dough rising? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why isn't keep checking out. Yeah, keep checking, keep opening the oven, you know, <laughs> letting the hot air out. <laughs> you know? Now you have to keep it in even longer because you keep opening it. Um, yeah, none of this works without Porzingis the God being as amazing yeah. as he's been. Agreed. I feel like I've never seen a player that big do what he can do. Be able to put back dunks. Be able to stop on a dime. Hit a three. If not, fake the three. Put it on the floor with his left or right and take it to the basket. Have, did you see? I don't know if it was this game. I saw a vine of him just a. He just shoots a three pointer and it, it looks normal, right? And then when you when they zoom out, he's on the logo, <laughs> like his foot is like I think he may be like a half a step in front of the logo and just launches it like a, it, he shoots it like I shoot a free throw. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, the arc on a shot is huge. It's huge. I love it. I love it. He has a really smooth shot too, and it's, it looks pretty effortless. Very skilled. Very skilled. Um, question. Uh, the homewrecker, Derek Fisher. Mm. Homewrecker. Uh, <laughs> how would you rate his coaching thus far? Uh, I think it's improved. Um, I think he's getting better with the rotations. He's playing uh, Am- Lou Amundsen, Kyle Quinn less, which is always really good. Thank God. Yeah. Um, he's doing. Something. Even though I personally like <laughs> Kyle Quinn, I I like him, but but I I get your point. Yeah. yeah. I mean. I feel like he's doing a good job. Kind of a quick example of that. You see um, Porzingis and uh, Lopez start together. Mm-hmm. But well, at least one of them will be on the floor to provide that defensive presence. Right. right. And when they go to the lineup of Derek Williams, um, Melo, and Porzingis, 
they're pretty good at spacing the ball. And oh, that's yeah. It's a pretty good lineup where they can kind of shoot the lights out or, you know, score a lot of buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, his rotations are have been pretty good. Like, the, the defensive presence is there with either Porzingis or Lopez. And it, it's also to say that the players have been doing better than expected. Uh, a follow has been playing pretty well. Like, if yeah. he sees a smaller guard on him, he'll get down low and, you know, do his work down low, and he can you know, shoot the ball pretty well from the outside. Calderon has been playing pretty well, too. He hasn't been abysmal, like, a couple of years ago, like last year, mm-hmm. two years ago. Derek Williams has been a nice surprise. He's been kind of nice. He's, I mean, former number two pick, right? Yeah, I forget about that. Crazy. Actually, was it was he number? I'm gonna look that up. You can keep going. Yeah, Derek Williams has been pretty good. He's been a pleasant surprise, and um, I really just want to see Jaren Grant develop into that player that the Knicks want. If mm. he's able to get to that next level, why not? Why not be able to contend for a championship? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's 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 relax. <laughs> Just, just but let's, still, like, there's been no rumors of Melo wanting to get out, like, which has been very surprising. Yeah. yeah, no rumors of him. Like, this is this is, but this is kind of doesn't that signal to you that this is a championship, almost like caliber team in the future? No. In the oh, future, in the future, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Like they are building towards something. So, hey, hopes are up. Hopes are up for sure. Um, Porzingis, the guy changing things uh, everywhere he goes. Um, yeah, let's see. Anything else you want to talk about before? Mm, no. No? Nope. All right. Cool. Awesome. So uh, there we go. You know, uh, Porzingis, future Hall of Famer, future <laughs> finals MVP, future MVP, future, uh, uh, was it, all NBA first team? Uh, hopefully. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, all right. So I think that's good. We talked about a lot of things. Um, I think that's good for now. We'll save our all-star picks for for next time uh, when we get a little closer to the All-Star game. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, You want to say bye real quick? Bye, guys. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Bye, guys.